This week on Inside Motorsport, we look at two very different parts of the sport, Australian Rallycross and IndyCars. I hope you'll stay with us. Richard Crowell joins us on the line once again, and Crowley, well... Two things that are close to your heart, uh, Rallycross and IndyCars, we're going to have a chat to you today and I guess first off the second round of the Australian Rallycross series uh, was run over there in Maroolan just outside of Sydney and uh, the car numbers have almost doubled since the very first outing at the beginning of the year up in Coffs Harbour. Yeah, uh, you're right. There was uh, round one was at Maroolan, but uh, yeah, uh, 11 cars at round one, 21 entries, 20 competitors at round two. So a fantastic effort for a fledgling, a fledgling championship. And it's great that Rallycross is finally starting to get a, a toehold on the Australian landscape because it's going so well internationally. Um, the World Rallycross Championship's incredibly strong. Global Rallycross in the States is amazing. Um, and it's, it's a niche that needs to be filled in Australia because I, I really think it's got a, it's got a potential to be the big bash cricket of motorsport. It's short, sharp, contained, um, and very, very exciting action. Um, so it's really good to see. And, um, this RXL's championship is uh, is growing. It's still early days, but certainly round two on the weekend proved that it's got legs and there's um, you know, there's a real potential for it to grow into something pretty special. Mm. Now, the World Rally Cross Championships has seen a number of uh, former WRC competitors and uh, well-known names in motorsport join it over the course of the last few years. Is the mm. Australian Rallycross Series, do they have that sort of crossover yet? Well, yeah, it's funny you mention that. It does. A lot of, from a, a rallying perspective, a good portion of the competitors, most of the competitors, in fact, are all ex-ARC or front-running Victorian Championship runners, for example. Um, the main protagonist in it, Justin Dow, former Australian rally champion, Will Orders, who's a ARC round winner and a, a VRC champion, um, Justin's son, Troy, who's a young up-and-comer. Steve Glennie was running on the weekend and actually won the the super final, the, the main feature race of the weekend. Um, he's won Tiger Tasmania and, and done some circuit racing. Um, Darren and Aaron Windus, father and son, were both running and they're both familiar names in motor racing. So, uh, yeah, it, it's obviously got that rallying background, but the thing about it is that it can cross over and you can get a, a guy like Glennie who's done the rallying, but is equally good on the bitumen. Um, and Rallycross can cater to those guys because they're... Um, you know, there's, there's a bitumen component to it. It's not just rally driving. So it really is a, a multi-discipline sport um, and rewards good drivers irrespective of what they're driving. So um, I think that's part of the appeal and, and certainly the fact that it's short, sharp races, they're really exciting races too um, and everything's done within a couple of hours so it's real short, sharp, entertainment-style motorsport but at the same time, it's still fiercely competitive. Now, you would be uh, way too young to remember the rally cross of the uh, 70s and early 80s, but <laughs> it was uh, a sport that was quite popular at that time, but that was sort of in the peak time of rallying, whereas this is coming back when rallying is still trying to find its way in Australia. So I guess there's a lot of hopes that from some people of rally fraternity that this can lead the lead the push to gain interest back into the long-form event. 
Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Rallying's in a strange situation at the moment as far as defining exactly what it is in Australia, which is ironic because the World Rally Championship is in really good form at the moment with great manufacturer input and, and some really good competition. Um, yeah, I, the, the RXL guys, they're not, they're not sort of offering it as an alternative to rally. They're not trying to promote it like that. It's just a new thing um, and, and an alternative, something different. Um, something new and exciting that can build and grow. Um, so it's not necessarily a rival to rallying. Um, if this gets more cars out and then the flow-on effect is that they go and do some more rallying, then happy days for everybody. But um, the idea of this is, and, and Rallycross Australia has been designed with regulations around getting old cars out, getting cars that have been in garages out onto the track and, and building the regulations around that rather than bringing in new cars and um, expensive stuff from overseas, which is where the former iteration rally cross fell over in the last couple of years. So um, they've taken the right approach. Whether that helps or hinders rallying, I'm not sure, but they're just doing their own thing and, and trying to build it to something that everybody can be involved in. Mm. Rallycross was always a contact sport. Has that ethos been carried through? <laughs> uh, no, not not, uh, not yet. Um, the, the racing's very, very close and very hard, and you get the occasional little bump and run, but um, they've very, very clear with their driver standards from the outset from this new championship and how they're managing it and how they're officiating it. And it, it's a non-contact sport. You're going to get a little bit of it because that's the nature of it when you're crossed up sideways in a 400-horsepower uh, rally car on dirt or even on the bitumen at and on the weekend. Um you're going to, you know, you've only got so much control, and if you make light contact with another car, then so be it. Um, there was a little bit of contact, but nothing malicious, and that was the main thing. It was just um, a side effect of the really close racing that was going on. So they've been very strict on that, and they want to make it affordable for everybody. So uh, obviously, damage isn't on the agenda. Mm. Now, to be able to hold a rallycross event, you need a circuit. How many uh, rallycross circuits are there across the country at the moment? Well, that's the biggest problem, Craig, at the moment, is that there's not enough facilities. So uh, the RXOS Championship races at Maroolan, so they're doing uh, three rounds there, um, two down already. Um, next stop for them is up at Stanthorpe at a place called Carnell Park, so it's a couple of hours inland from the Gold Coast. Um, and that's a very similar circuit to Maroolan with, uh, with a dirt loop and uh, bitumen for the rest of it. Um, there's a few other facilities being mooted. Lakeside's got... Um, some dirt, but they had issues with their noise dramas that sort of an ongoing issue up there at Lakeside Raceway in Queensland, so that's been put on the back burner. Um, but there's a lot of talk about new facilities coming on and existing racetracks opening um, the kind of facilities that Rallycross needs, so putting in a dirt loop somewhere to enable Rallycross to come and race. So um, fingers crossed that's a thing, and um, if so, that'd be great, because what they need now is, is to get closer to major population centres get near Melbourne especially because there's such a big rallying fraternity there um, and, and build the sport like that. So venues is probably the toughest problem. The competitors are there. There's plenty of cars and drivers around. Um, getting the right places to run them is probably the challenge. Mm. Well, we'll keep our eyes open on uh, certainly the social media and the Australian Rallycross site for more information on how this championship progresses. I did want to talk to you about a, a form of motorsport that you do love and hold dear, and that is IndyCars. And great news for Will Power, the, the former series champion, and he had his first ever win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the Indianapolis Grand Prix last weekend. 
Yeah, terrific drive. Um, he's had just rotten luck. He's had three pole positions this year, Will Power, from the five races so far, but hasn't been able to convert to a victory. and had a couple of DNS as well, which really hurt him. He was leading at Barber late in the race, but had a slow puncture that pulled him out. Um, and he ultimately finished way down the order. So terrific drive and, and got the monkey off his back and he's rocketed up the standings because of it dominated the race. Um, it was his 30th career win in 175 starts, which is a really good strike rate. What it also does is moves him in front of Elio Castro and Evans, his teammate, and uh, Penske legend Rick Mears uh, on the all-time winners list. So he's 11th on the all-time win list in IndyCar racing, and that's right back through kart, champ car, all of the various iterations combined. So he's putting together a pretty impressive arsenal of statistics, his willpower, um, and hopefully this can kickstart his championship because uh, it's been a rough start to the year. But he's in the top seven in the points now, which is great, and the Indy 500's double points for the Verizon IndyCar series. So if he can have a good run at the end of the month of May on that most famous race, um, then he'll be looking in really good shape for another championship. Mm. Now, for the listeners who might not be aware, you were at the 100th running last year, and uh, along with a, a huge Australian contingent. What do you expect from the 101st? How is that momentum of that 100th running of a race going to translate into the next century? Well, all pointers are that it, it's it's worked and, and building off that 100th uh, anniversary has actually worked. So um, before the Fernando Alonso announcement, uh, Doug Rolls, the, the CEO of the, the Speedway, runs the, uh, runs the circuit and the facility and, and basically the Indy 500, I suppose, um, was talking on the media over there in Indiana that the ticket sales were up 40% on 2015. So the year before the 100th running, which was great, you're never going to get that 100th running crowd. Again, I wouldn't have thought probably until you get to 150. Um, but they were up 40% on the year before, which is an important number. So that's, that's real growth that's come out of that 100th anniversary race, which is good. And then they had another surge after the Alonso announcement happened and that massive test that he had that was viewed by more than 2 million people online, which was just extraordinary for one car running around the speedway doing rookie orientation and Alonso's first run in an IndyCar. So they've had another surge there. So I, I think they've done all the right things. Um, the package, for, as far as a competitive standpoint, at that race in particular has never been better. Um, and IndyCar has probably never been more competitive, at least in this merged era after the kart IRL war ended. Um, and the, the super speedway package in IndyCar racing is phenomenal and it's just an extraordinary race. So um, from a, a package point of view, it's set to be a thrilling race. There'll be 60-odd lead changes and it'll undoubtedly come down to the final lap as it has done for the last five or six years. So I think it's looking good, Craig. And, and this Alonso stuff, just gives it more international relevance than it's had probably since the Mansell days in 93-4. Um, it's, it's really moved the needle overseas, and that's great for that event that it can continue to build its international platform. Mm. Well, for people who aren't catching up with you over the next few weeks at, uh, of course, Winton next weekend and all the other motorsport events, Shannon's Nationals, that you're going to be at, they now can get some of your thoughts from your Brand new home of, uh, well, interesting yarns, I guess we can call it, the Race Talk. And, uh, Richard, that web platform has, has certainly brought up some interesting yarns over the, the car past couple of months since you've uh, launched or relaunched it. 
Yeah, thanks, Craig. It's um, it's been good fun, and it was it was formed purely as an outlet, um, and kind of an alternative to the vitriol and all the rubbish comments you get on social media in this day and age. I wanted a place where myself and some of my colleagues and friends and and people in the industry could put some thoughts together based on fact and um, some measured comments rather than the um, the rubbish you get on social media these days. So. Um, the response has been fantastic. Um, we've got some really cool people contributing. David Siegel's writing some words, Mark Walker, a couple of others still to come. So, um, yeah, it's been good fun. Um, nice to have a, a mouthpiece, obviously, but if we can be a, a resource that people can use and um, and promote our sport, which is the bottom line, is, is what I want it to be. It needs to be a, a positive voice for motor racing because that's how we build our game and we're involved in it and want to see it better, that's, um, then that's a bonus. So, yeah, it's um, it's been good fun. Nice to uh, crank the fingers out and get them typing every now and then. Well, the correct uh, web address for those who are now had their interest peaked is theracetalk.com. Talk spelt T O R Q U E. Nice little uh, play on words there. I was quite pleased with that. <laughs> Richard, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Look forward to speaking to you at the end of the month of May when we will know who has won 101 of the Indy 500. Yeah, let's hope it's willpower. Hey, thanks, Craig. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.